In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Every town has a dark side. This is Andrew Fitzgerald from the Everytown Podcast, where every single week we dive into insane and mysterious true crime stories, most of which you've never heard of. Stories like the bizarre disappearance of Tyler Davis in Columbus, Ohio, a 29-year-old father trying to find his way back to his hotel when he disappeared and was never heard from again, and Elizabeth Shove from Lugoff, South Carolina, who was abducted from her driveway by a madman and take into his underground bunker in the woods. And we give you all the details you're interested in hearing about without any fluff or fillers, because ain't nobody got time for that. We cover everything from psychopaths to poltergeists. So go check out the Everytown podcast, because every town, no matter how nice it may seem, has a dark side. Hey guys, this is Andrew, and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Scary Mysteries podcast. If you guys are fans of this podcast or true crime stories in general, then I've got some good news for you. Starting Wednesday, July 29th, and every single Wednesday after that, we have a new podcast coming out called Everytown. The premise being that every town has a dark side, and there what we're going to explore some of the lesser-known disappearances, killers, and strange mysteries in general that you guys should love. If you don't know, the Scary Mysteries podcast originates from the Scary Mysteries YouTube channel, so there are actually visuals to go along with every single episode if you want to head over there and check that out. But the point being is that these pods are just taken from the videos and placed over here so you can consume the content that way if that's your preference. But every town is different. It's made specifically with the podcast listener in mind. So we have sound effects, and we'll tell longer-form stories, so we get to dig into all the details that really deserve a longer show. So check it out this Wednesday, wherever you consume your podcasts. It will also be available on our YouTube channel as well. And we may put a couple episodes on here for you guys to check out, but primarily, it will be its own podcast station. So please share and subscribe if you like it, and leave a review. We're looking forward to getting it out to the world and I hope to see you over there. Elizabeth Clara Abductions and Derek Engerbreston. Tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries. Every week, Twisted Twos dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. This week, we focus on the unusual alien abduction of Elizabeth Clara 
on the disappearance of Derek Engerbreston. Get ready for Scary Mysteries Twisted Twos. Number 1. Elizabeth Clara Abductions A meteorologist, accomplished musician, and once pilot during World War II, South African native Elizabeth Clare, on paper, seemed like the last person who would claim to be abducted by aliens. Clare, a member of a wealthy family in South Africa, was the daughter of a veterinary pioneer and shorthorn farmer. Starting at a young age, she has lived a life of luxury in a gorgeous home with plenty of helpers. One of her favorite stories to hear from the help revolved around Zulu folklore. She especially loved hearing about the sky gods. From a young age, Clara always believed she could see unusual things and had otherworldly experiences. She recalls once seeing a UFO when she was only seven. According to her, she saw a bright disc while outside her home feeding their puppies. And it wasn't just her, but her sister who was there too. Several months later, she again witnessed another unidentified flying craft. This time, she was accompanied by their farm manager, who interpreted their sighting as part of Zulu lore. Eventually, Clara left home and lived in Italy for some time for school. She had taken up music and the arts, and after this, she took up meteorology at Girton College in Cambridge. While there, she met her first husband, and he would later teach her how to fly a small plane. It wasn't until 1937 when she mentioned having an unusual UFO sighting once again. She was flying inside a light craft when she, together with her husband and another person, saw a saucer-shaped object fly alongside their plane. They saw the object approach them, coast along with them a little bit before it left. Eventually, Clara returned to Africa. Now with children, she headed from Johannesburg to her sister's farm in Whiteleaf in 1954, and it was here she would experience one of her most famous UFO encounters. It happened on December 27th. Clara remembers climbing a hill, later known as Flying Saucer Hill, and while there, witnessed an unusual craft come down from the sky. It hovered several meters above the ground and was softly humming. From one of the portholes, she could see a figure standing inside. She could tell that the craft was emanating some heat and shortly after it showed up, it flew away. More than a year later, reports of a lightning bird were seen on the same hilltop. When Clara once again headed to the area on April 7, 1956, she finally met the strange alien figure she once saw inside the ship. He introduced himself as Akon. He then took Clara inside the spacecraft and showed her around. Clara described the interior of the ship as 60 feet in diameter. There was another pilot inside who was said to be an astrophysicist and botanist. Shortly after the craft flew away and within minutes reached the large mothership, Clara, who went along with them, described the mothership as having garden-like interiors. She met and interacted with the inhabitants of the ship, and while there, Akon revealed to her that she was a former Venusian. The two exchanged kisses, and Akon declared that she was his soulmate. He told her it was common for their race to take women from Earth and mate with them so their children could strengthen the bloodline. He added there were also Venusians who lived on Earth anonymously. 
After all these revelations, Clara was returned on the hilltop. Curiously, several witnesses actually reported seeing a glowing object on that hill for several hours around the time Clara said she met the Venusian Akon. In 1958, Clara and Akon would begin seeing each other more frequently, sometimes spending the entire day together. At one point, he gave her a silver ring, which she said helped connect them telepathically. Soon after, the two consummated their relationship and she became pregnant. The following year, while she was in her vehicle, she was transported onto Akon's planet Maton, where she delivered her extraterrestrial child. She named this child Ailing. He decided to stay behind in Meton as Clara went home. She said she's unable to go back to Meton because the vibrations on the planet caused her heart problems. However, she said her son, Ailing and Akon, visit her on Earth instead. There were many skeptics, as well as believers, of Clara's unique love story. Several prominent ufologists at the time believed her wholeheartedly while others ridiculed her claims of giving birth and having an alien lover, but for Claire, she stood by her claims. In 1980, she published her book, Beyond the Light Barrier, chronicling her encounters. She tried writing a follow-up book, but never finished it before her death in 1994. Up until her dying breath, she claimed her story was true, saying the encounters absolutely happened. Number 2 Derek Engerbreston. It was supposed to be an ordinary day for Derek Engerbreston. Together with his father and grandfather, the trio left their home in Klamath Falls, Oregon on December 5, 1988 to head to Rocky Point, close to the Winnema National Forest. They were hoping to find a Christmas tree to decorate their living room. It was a family tradition of sorts. Derek, at eight years old, was already comfortable in the mountains since he often accompanied his parents while exploring the forest. His family even gave him the nickname Bear Boy. As the three reached the woods, they headed towards a densely populated area to look for a potential tree. His grandfather went one way, his father the other. When the two returned to the same spot about an hour later, both were shocked to realize that Derek was gone. They both thought that the boy had accompanied the other. The two men immediately looked for Derek. His grandfather, who was an expert tracker, tried to retrace Derek's steps starting from their pickup truck. They found that the steps went up on a hill, then looped back around. They saw signs the young boy was in the general area when they found cuts on the trees since Derek had a small hatchet with him. When he looped back around, it's believed that Derek made a snow angel on the road. But all traces of him were wiped out after this because a snowplow had passed through. It took two hours before police got to the area and for the search to begin full scale. However, despite the search and rescue, the area was dense and the mountain had become dark. For the next several days and weeks, his family camped out in the area hoping to find him. The rescue efforts were hampered because of bad weather and sub-zero temperatures. After eight days, the police stopped their search, announcing the boy likely succumbed from the harsh temperatures. The volunteers and his family continued with the search. They found small signs that he may have been alive at some point. They found a candy wrapper, some type of small shelter, and even a bookmark 
recognized to be from Derek's school. Despite this, though, there was no sign of the boy, and eventually the search stopped. Derek's family never fully recovered from the loss. His parents continued to devote everything they had in looking for him, and this included spending every spare moment on that mountain. They also spent it on psychics and search boats. His family eventually went bankrupt, but they never gave up hope. Derek's case went cold for years, but in 2002, a prison inmate said he had information for the family. He pointed out that convicted rapist and murderer Frank Milligan was involved. Milligan was already serving 36 years for raping and abducting a young boy. A witness had said he saw a man having trouble with a boy in the area where Derek disappeared. He ignored the struggle, though, thinking they were father and son. However, even though he's a potential suspect, there's been no physical evidence linking Frank Milligan to Derek's disappearance. And so today, it still remains a mystery. So there, with two of the most out-of-this-world and scary stories around, the world can be a crazy place, and Twisted 2 is sure to show you why. If you like this video, then please remember to subscribe to our channel and consider supporting us on Patreon. We have new videos coming out every Wednesday and Saturday for you to check out. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon.